Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. This is 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that all the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's the morning after Jesus slept over at his house. The day prior, they enjoyed watching Jesus go against Satan again and again and again. First, it was at church. He drove out a demon-possessed man. They left church. They went home to his house And he healed his mother-in-law, miraculously, made her well, healing her of her fever. And it was late night. It was late night because the whole town, after dark, when they were ready to turn in and go to bed, found out Jesus was there. Jesus cared. Jesus cared for all of them. Those who were sick, he healed them. Those who had demons, he, he drove the demons out, and they watched it all. They stayed up late. That's why he, he slept through his alarm. But when he finally did get up and go to the coffee maker to make coffee for Jesus and the other disciples who stayed there, it was a little bit past the time that everyone else got up. He looked out. He, he saw that that. The town was back again. Everyone who who was there last night was back. And this time they brought friends and and everyone was there looking for Jesus. So he goes to his guest room to wake Jesus up and and let him know. But his Lord's lost. He's not there. So he gets his brother Andrew and he gets the other brothers, James and John, and they go and they look everywhere for him. They, They go to all the hot breakfast spots and Jesus isn't there. They go to the coffee shops and Jesus isn't there. But then they finally find him. Sitting there by himself. They find him sitting alone in a solitary place because Jesus, that morning, he got up early before anybody else, while it was still dark. And Jesus left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus was sitting by himself, but he wasn't alone. There in the early morning hours, he was with his father, 
communing with him in prayer, in word. Just sitting there with your father and his. I wonder if Peter, Simon Peter, finally found Jesus, he knew, or he realized that the man with the bowed head might just be doing the most important work of his day. And I wonder if Jesus needed that, why do we think we need less? I mean, think about this. Jesus went toe-to-toe with evil all day long. And so what did he do? He needed to refresh. Why is it that that so often we don't think that we need to, on on a daily basis, be renewed by our God? I mean, Jesus is true God and true man, and he still thought that he needed time to be strengthened. When was the last time you sat down in a solitary place for the sole and specific reason to receive strengthening from your God's mighty hand in your daily battles, and they are daily, against Satan? It's interesting The section of God's word that we read to start out this morning from our sermon lesson from 1 Peter has has two maybe seemingly contradictory commands to start it out. Humble yourself, cast your anxieties. You read those and you think, why does someone who is self-assured and confident, the opposite of humble, need to cast anxieties. Those kind of people don't have worries and concerns, do they? Until you start to think what Peter's driving at here. The idea that we fall into, that we think we, we can handle our spiritual struggles on our own. That so often we think that that we can sustain ourselves in our, in our fight against the devil. No, it's, it's someone who is, who is constantly believing that, that they're, that they're self-sufficient. They're going to have anxiety. They're going to have worries. But the anxiety, that, that's not the problem. It's just a symptom of the bigger problem, the bigger spiritual problem that we're looking at today. It's this idea of spiritual self-sufficiency. Now, it's really noble to be self-sufficient in any other area of your life. It's, it's good that physically you can take care of yourself and be self-sufficient. It's good that you can do that financially, be self-sufficient, and that you can grow your own organic vegetables in the backyard. That is all really good. That's a good use of self-sufficiency. But where that starts to creep in into our spiritual lives, it's a problem. It's a problem when we think that on my own, I can, I can deal with my sin or, or overcome my sin or, or fix the problem that my sin caused. That I can withstand future temptations from Satan or live a sanctified, that means holy, life. And I can do it apart from Christ. 
The truth is, you and I need to sit down. We need to sit down in humility under God's mighty hand because so often we, we think we can self-sufficiently go about our spiritual lives of sanctification. We're like Jesus. We're like Jesus and we have the need, but we're not like Jesus in the fact that so often we're not sober and alert about this tendency for ourselves. We get drunk on the self-delusions that, well, we can handle it. We're good. I got this. But we're like Jesus very much in that we have a common enemy. We have, as 1 Peter so, so graphically describes, so, so powerfully describes, a common, common, common enemy. The devil. Who famously Peter describes as a Pro, like uh, the devil is one, like one prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we understand that picture pretty well, right? The devil is bad. He is a predator. He is mean. It's a pretty common illustration for how the devil interacts with people. But do we ever stop and pause and think, where do I sit in that illustration? Well, here's the picture, is that we're the prey. If the devil is, in fact, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, makes us the prey. And think specifically about how this, how this relates to the sin, because it is that, of spiritual self-sufficiency. Sin, in and of itself, wants to put a person alone, by themselves, that's what sin does. Self-sufficiency claims we can be by ourselves. That's the scariest part of all, is that it not only puts us alone, we place ourselves there as well. Let me re reframe this picture. How many of you would, would attempt to go up to a roaring lion and simply pet them? It's laughable. Nobody would do that, right? Even even on the show Man vs. Wild, National Geographic's famous documentaries, they don't do that. I mean, have you seen it? They drive around the savannah and they have this really, really cool protected vehicle that has like sides of fencing that can go up if the lions come to them. And what they don't show here is that's not the only vehicle. They're not alone. They have two others. They have the camera truck, and then they have the guide truck that, they don't show this, but they're heavily armored, so no one can hurt them. No lions can get after them. But then they make the show really interesting. They get really close, and here's the cool part about this specific episode. You've heard of, like, shark tanks where people drop underwater so they can get close to sharks? Oh, they made one for lions so that they could get close and record them. How many of you would put on a bright colored shirt and just wander out to the savannah without the vehicle, without the box? We wouldn't do it. We wouldn't try that for a second, would we? Why then do we think we can go a day without the refreshing and the renewal that comes from God's mighty hand when we, when we sit with him in word and prayer as we go up against the devil. 
Why is it that we think we, we don't need what God himself showed that he needed? Time, communing with God in prayer. Have you gone a week? Have you gone more? Without finding time to sit down in a solitary place for the sole and specific reason of asking God to strengthen you as you go out and deal with spiritual battles that are different but common and and the fact that we have the same, same enemy and we need to sit down. We need to sit down under God's mighty hand. Jesus did that. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know who wrote Mark? It's not a trick question. Mark. Mark wrote Mark. Mark was not an apostle. He was not one of the 12, but Mark was a missionary in the early New Testament church. In fact, he spent a lot of time traveling with Paul and Peter. In fact, a lot of people believe that Mark wrote his gospel based on the recounting of Peter. That Peter, who was getting along in years, getting older, told his life story of spending his ministry with Jesus, and, and Mark simply wrote it down. Of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote every single word, but a lot of people believe that it is Mark's gospel that is, in fact, Peter's gospel. You know who wrote First Peter? Not a trick question. It's Peter. I can't help but wonder if as Peter wrote those words, humble yourselves. Cast your cares on God. If Peter reflected back on all the times in his life where he wasn't humble, he he thought of himself as pretty self-sufficient. Gonna walk on water. Gonna take out my sword and defend Jesus. Gonna tell Jesus that he doesn't actually have to go and die and he's never gonna let it happen. Can't imagine writing those words, reflecting on those experiences in my life. Maybe I can. Maybe you can too. I can't help but wonder if, if Peter wrote those words Humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. If he wrote those words reflecting back on finding Jesus that morning, sitting in a solitary place, praying. I can't help but wonder if he not only reflected on that, but all the times he found Jesus doing the very thing he's encouraging us under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to sit down. To sit down in humility. Sit before God. Because he cares for you. Because God cares for you. Do do you want to know how much God cares for you? He cares for you so much that he didn't just sit down on a bright, sunshiny hill the morning after sleeping over at Peter's house. 
God cares for you so much. He sat down on a darkened hill when the sun went out and everyone left him, a hill called Golgotha. He sat there and he did it the morning after, well, Peter disowned him. Peter (laughs) disowned him and thought himself so self-sufficient that he could work his way out of this one. He sat down on a hill to die for our sins of self-sufficiency. That's how much your God cares for you. You want to talk about self-sufficiency? God himself is self-sufficient. He wears the crown. And yet he set aside the crown. When you and I, as the hymn says, we're, we're sinking down beneath God's righteous frown. You want to know how much God cares for you? He set aside the crown for your soul and mine to forgive us for all of our sins. No, when we sit down, we sit down, yes, yes, it might seem scary to humble yourself, to admit to somebody that I'm not as strong as I'd like to think I am, that I can't do it all alone. But friends, we're doing it before a God who cares for you, and we're doing it under God's mighty hand. For a second, think about the strongest hands that you've ever shaken or held. Here's what comes to mind for me. When I was in high school, maybe 15, 16, 17 years old, I got to usher at my church. And it was a church where they had several ushering teams, so you would usher about every other month. And as a high schooler, you just get assigned to a team, and yet there was a captain, a a veteran usher, who was in charge of making sure everything ran smoothly on a Sunday morning. And the captain of the team that my brother and I got placed on was a 6'5 gentleman who was a farmer who had hands like a frying pan. And every time I came to church to usher, I really didn't want to shake his hand. Because as a young man, I thought I was pretty cool, thought I was pretty big stuff. But when I would shake his hands, he would hold my hand so gently, like I was shaking maybe my daughter's hand, because his hands were huge. They would completely wrap themselves around one of my hands. And these weren't dainty little hands. You could tell these hands did work. They were very strong. Picture the strongest hands you've ever shaken or ever held. Now picture God's hands. When we sit down in humility before our God, it's under those mighty hands. Hands that were once, yes, nailed with holes in them to a cross, but now whole, resurrected, sitting in heaven, those are the hands that completely cover you and me in our struggle against sin and flesh and Satan. You think about those hands. Hands so strong, they knit you together in your mother's womb. But it's those hands that that grabbed hold of you and, and took your sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. Friends, it's those hands, those hands that reached into the depths of hell and raised up Christ Jesus from the dead. It's those same hands that are lifting you up, that are lifting you up in due time. In just a moment, we're going to get to sing a hymn, which has a lot of beautiful lyrics that we can meditate on, but, but catch just these, these lines. 
our God quoted throughout this hymn says, fear not, I am with you. Do not, oh, be not dismayed, for I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be your supply. So often we, we think our supply of whatever, whatever it is we bring to the table is sufficient for our struggles, for our sins, for our battles against Satan. But here it is. Here's the really good news that God, the God of all grace, well, is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for whatever it is we go through, and he knows what we go through. He knows that throughout our pathways, throughout our lives, shall lie struggles, fiery pathways. And that's why the God of all grace, whose grace is sufficient for you, will restore you. Even after you've suffered for a little while, he is promising to strengthen you, help you, and sustain you. You think about times where we get tired of dealing with the same old sin, same old struggles in our lives. Here is our God, Isaiah. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Martin Luther said where God builds a church the devil builds a chapel. And that's true because what Satan loves to do more than anything else is see Christians fall. He loves to see Christians who make up Christian churches fall because then more people won't get connected to Christ. And so he works really hard. And yet here's the amazing thing, that, that God not only defeated him, but Christ who lives and, yes, lives in you through the waters of your baptism, through his word, through prayer, he gives you and I the very real ability to stand up to him. Isaiah again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Christians, sit down. <laughs> sit down, yes, in humility. Sit down under God's mighty hand, but, but don't be worried. Don't be afraid to admit that we're not as sufficient and as strong as we think we are. Because you have a God who will make you strong, firm, and steadfast throughout your life. Sit down. Sit down not only in humility, but sit down to stand firm. To stand firm against any sin, any struggle that Satan can throw your way. It's been the theme. We've been saying it throughout this sermon. Sit down to stand up, sit down, to stand firm against Satan. But concretely, practically, on a street level, day-to-day -day level, what does that look like in our lives? 
as we close out, what I want to do is share with you something that I, I've shared with many of you that we've done a study with about how do we study the Bible. It's something that in really the past two years has been the most spiritually helpful thing in my life. Someone suggested to me that you maybe start your day out by sitting down. Sitting down under God's mighty hand and humbling yourself. When they suggested it, it was one of those duh or aha moments because what they suggested was really no different than what you and I do every single time we get together here. We confess ourselves to God as people who are not all sufficient. That God is holy and we're not. That God completely conquered sin, death, and the devil. And on our own, we cannot. But what would it look like if the God of all grace, who promises that he will strengthen you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast, was really someone we went before every single day and truly did humble ourselves? Well, here's maybe a way, uh, an acronym or an acrostic, if you will, to remember that. It's the idea of fasting. Fasting is something that people do with food and physically to empty themselves, to maybe focus themselves on something else. And it's also maybe has a double meaning. It's ironic, right? We go about our lives so very fast. When we get up in the morning and go about our days, we go from one thing to the next rather fast. But what if we started our day out by just going slow? And before you stop and you dive into God's word, who through his word and through prayer really does strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand, you humbled yourself. And before God, you just admitted all the fears, all of the anxieties that were on your heart, you really did cast them before him. And after that, you admitted attitudes that, that are common to all of us. We sobered up. We were alert. And we said so often, yes, Lord, I've tried to live life completely self-sufficiently. And you, and you shared with God other attitudes that are not godly. And then you talked about sin. But you did so in a way that was not fearful or shameful. But you did so knowing that the God of all grace, who has literally called you to eternal glory in Christ Jesus, well, you know he, he's going to give you his grace for that too. And then you also looked ahead to your day. And you thought about temptations that were coming. Because let's be honest and be alert. If you do this, if you think through it, while our lives are different and our temptations might be different, our enemy is the same. And I bet if you tried this, you would know on a Monday or a Friday or a Sunday or a Tuesday what particular temptations will await you over the next 18 waking hours that you have. What would happen? What, what would happen if, if you started your day out humbling yourself before the God of all grace who called you to eternal glory in Christ? I can't, I can't say I do that every day, although it's a goal of mine. But what I can say for certain is this, 
that if I, if you did that, after a little while, after, yeah, going through suffering and struggles, here's God's promise to you. He himself will restore you. He himself will strengthen you. He himself will make you firm in the faith and steadfast against anything that comes up. You often see Mark's gospel associated with lions. Do you know what that is? It's because Mark, who wrote Mark and hung out with Peter, Mark was thrown to a a den of lions in Rome. When he was persecuted for his faith and, and the governing officials wanted to kill him, they threw him before lions. But you want to know what happened? Tradition says that the lions just sat down. They just sat down at Mark's feet and he petted them. You want to know how you get your enemy, the devil, to sit down? You sit down to stand firm. You want to know how you don't end up prey of a lion? Pray and spend time with your God, communing with him in word and prayer. And the God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory in Christ, after you suffer a little while, he will strengthen you. He will make you firm and steadfast. That's his promise to you. To him be the power. Amen. 